Showtime. Welcome to the Empower You Radio Show. I just want to help. Where we empower you through education. You will believe in yourself. Eric Gann exposes you to the evidence-based truth with balanced clinical practice behind all things leadership, mindset, health, nutrition, and the healthcare profession of athletic training. Today is about the power of you. Here's your host, Eric Gann. Hey everyone, thank you for listening and welcome back to the show. Today, I have a great opportunity to have a scholar, a gentleman, a fellow deadhead, and a great friend, Jim Reedy, on the show today. Jim is a leader and a visionary in the profession of athletic training. Jim serves as an athletic training residency program director within the Katy accredited program in orthopedics at St. Luke's University Health Network in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. We'll get into what Katie is. Just stay tuned. He's also the program manager for the East Region for St. Luke's Sports Medicine that encompasses 45 school districts, six colleges, and 14 athletic trainers working within physician's practice. Jim earned a Bachelor's of Science in Athletic Training from Kinesis College. We're alumni together in Buffalo, New York. Kinesis is where Jim and I met. Jim was an upperclassman in our athletic training program. Jim spent many hours working with me and mentoring me when I was a greenhorn in the program. We also spent a few hours listening to The Grateful Dead and drinking Canadian beer. Jim went on to obtain his master's degree from Ithaca College. He has previously worked as an athletic trainer for Farley Dickinson University and provided athletic training services for OAA orthopedic specialists in Lehigh Valley Health Network. Jim has worked as an educator over his career and has served as the program manager for the Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation Sciences program at North Happening Community College. He currently serves as a member of the Katy Residency Standards Committee, which I'm excited he is going to be elaborating on today. He also serves on the Katy Review Committee, the Katy Education Committee, and is a site visitor for residency programs. Welcome, Jim, and welcome to the Empower You radio show. Thanks for having me, Eric. All right. So, Jim, first thing I want to ask is just how is your world right now as an athletic trainer and just as a human? And then how are you working back from the lockdown from the pandemic? Yeah, so it's, it's definitely been an interesting environment for athletic trainers across the country, I think. Um, so at St. Luke's, we have 120 athletic trainers between outreach and in clinical sites and some in the industrial setting. So obviously with the pandemic coming, we, we were rolled out of sports. But the great thing about the professional athletic training and our skill set is the ability to adapt and really support, you know, where we work and adapt to the needs. And our athletic trainers have really done that in our network. So for the last three months, they've been working in occupational medicine, screening, testing, various labor pool jobs, um, call centers, working more and more in the physician practice. Um, So we were able to, we had a little bit of a downturn um, with our staff, but we're able to get them all back and working fairly quickly. Um, and now it's just that re-socialization into sport and 
making sure um, as we move into the green phase or phase three, whatever your state is using, um, that we have appropriate guidelines in place and we're, we're ready to keep everybody safe and healthy. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's just, it's awesome to see the utilization of athletic trainers in, in this, in this particular instance of the pandemic. I see so many different other institutions. Like when I talk to Mark Larson at Boston university, how they're using their athletic trainers. And then when I talk with you, with what you're doing, it's just, it's a really great opportunity for athletic trainers to shine um, and show our skill set, just not on, cause we always think of the traditional thing of athletic trainers running out onto the court or the field and, and taking care of athletes that way. And then in the athletic training room, but we are healthcare providers that can work in so many different settings. Right. And I think, I think just our education just allows that adapt adaptability. So, you know, to move into these different areas and our network has really come to value the athletic trainer and really you know, when, when something in our network, which we're a big 12 hospital system um, with 15,000 employees, you know, the first people they turn to if they need a problem solved or they need manpower to figure out something is usually the sports medicine staff. And, you know, we, we can usually have a quick turnaround and really figure out the answers to things and solve, solve problems and, and come to the aid of anybody in the network. That's awesome. That's so great to hear. <clears throat> All right. So we're going to take this, we're going to flip this a little bit. I feel everyone has an awesome story to tell and everyone that I have on this show, I ask them to tell about themselves, the decisions they have made and the paths they have chosen. So can you tell everyone about you, about your story, what led you to where you are right now and how you got here to be working with the athletic trainers that you manage? Yeah, so it seems a sort of a, a long path to this point, but um, originally from upstate New York, um, so looking to go to college, you know, I didn't, similar story to some other people, I enjoyed sports, I sort of looked at physical therapy, um, but just really wanted to work more with active individuals, and the preventative aspect was really important to me, mm-hmm. um, and back then, you know, when athletic training first started, it was, you know, the athletic, that was part of what we were was preventative medicine. Yeah. Now that theme has sort of caught on with all of medicine, um, but it's something that the athletic trainers have done, you know, since our inception back in, in the fifties, yeah. um, even before that. So I was, you know, a kid growing up in the New York, uh, upstate New York and Yankee games were on. I used to see Gene Monahan, the New York Yankees athletic trainer run out in the field. And I was like, man, I would, I would love to do something like that. So Looking, there was no athletic trainers in my area where I grew up. So just sort of looking around New York State for programs, and there was three accredited programs at that time yeah. in the state: Canisius, Ithaca, and I believe Cortland. Uh-huh. Um, so decided to go up to to Canisius, and wasn't too sure I was making the right decision. But <laughs> as you know, being a Canisius alum from that program as well, and those educators up there just opened my eyes and I just fell in love with the idea of athletic training and you know guys like Pete Kennecke who was our program director yeah. and Mike Dolan mm-hmm. and Andy Smith you know passionate good educators and you know I was always the quiet guy and they used to ride me for that but yeah. that sitting in those classrooms with those guys and those brilliant minds and soaking all that in really infused my passion to become an educator myself yeah so now 
you know, talking with them, we always chuckle because I was the quiet guy. And I think when I went to Canisius, you know, they, they basically, the recruiter or the admissions person that I met with basically said, you're the quietest person I've ever met, which is, you know, <laughs> if you're a quiet person, you don't really want to hear that. No. So, there was some struggles up in Buffalo, but it really fueled my passion being in that program for athletic training and what the profession stood for. And now to this point, it's good to, to give back to the profession with some of the things I'm, I'm um, involved in. So after Canisius, I sort of I went on to, to get my master's degree and it's my master's is actually exercise physiology, which at that time there was a couple good master's athletic training programs. Yeah. Um, but decided to to take the graduate assistantship at Ithaca to get the experience of practicing and then go the exercise physiology route. Mm-hmm. Yep. So from that point on, I was, you know, always pushing myself. That was sort of my way to challenge myself, being quiet and being introverted, you know, wanting to get better professionally, wanting to get better personally. You know, I forced myself to become a good educator, to get in front of people. It's always a work in progress. You always want to improve, but, yeah. you know, really forcing myself to, to kind of step off that ledge into, into that, that environment has kind of led to where I am today. And, you know, my passion for education and educating the residents we have now and educating the staff members we have and getting them to assess themselves appropriately, set goals, develop themselves professionally. Um, so that's really where a lot of my passions come from now. Through, through some of those decisions I've made. Yeah, that's, 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 I think you have, we all have a little bit of a similar background, I think, and we keep pushing ourselves and, you know, that's really what ends up being, you know, we lead by example. I just think some of the other, some of the other things that I really focused on with, with becoming a good educator come from that Canisius experience. And then getting involved with the KD, which we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit, um, really came from that seeing Pete Kenneke in that, in that program and drive that program when, you know, back then it was the joint review committee, um, yeah. that was part of KHEP. Yeah, exactly. It's been such an evolution of a program as, in itself. You know, I think not to interrupt you too much with, with your story, but you, you think back, you brought up a great point and I always bring this up too, is you know, when you and I were looking at athletic training education, they were more housed in like kinesiology and in phys ed. Yeah, we and, were in phys ed. And, yeah. And now athletic training, it's so awesome. It's now moving into being in a school of allied health professions in most universities. You know, it's it's part of the medical school. It's being moved into the appropriate umbrella as healthcare providers. So, I mean, I think, I don't know if we talk about that enough as evolving leaders, you know, I, I don't hear enough about that. And I try to keep bringing that up with everyone that I talk to on here. And then, you know, what you talked about, there were only three schools. I looked at those same schools that you did and I chose mm-hmm. Canisius. And, you know, in terms of the same thing for a master's degree, but I decided to go down. It was a brand new accredited program at Kentucky. So, I mean, but we didn't have a lot of choices, you know, it was right. just to, to develop our, our, our further education and it's just developed so much. And, and I just think it's a, it's an attribute to, to you and to everybody that has pushed on to continue to promote the, the profession. You know, after you finished your, after you finished your, your, your role at Ithaca 
and then um, what kind of spanned on from there to lead you to where you're at right now? Yeah, so I, I, my first position out after grad school was at Fairleigh Dickinson University, located in Teaneck, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, small Division One school, but was sort of just thrown into it, which happens a lot to athletic trainers. You know, it's one of those few professions where you can get your BOC certification and you can be out on an island by yourself, but really throwing you to the fire. And that's, you know, that's typically how athletic trainers have learned in the past. Yeah. You know, just figure it out. So mentorship has really been a real focus of the profession. And Mm -hmm. some of the things that we're doing at St. Luke's is really to focus on mentorship because of those 120 athletic trainers, 70% of them are underneath the age of 25, 26. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of young professionals really looking how to develop themselves as athletic trainers and as medical professionals. So I spent two years there at FDU um, and really learned a lot, you know, through insurance, through, you know, crazy injuries, just having a lot on my plate, but being able to manage that and really enjoying learning um, as much as I could in that, that position and still trying to find places to teach. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after that, moved over to Lehigh Valley area, which is, you know, in eastern Pennsylvania. So mm-hmm. started working with OAA, orthopedic specialists. So I was there for, for 10 years um, and moved over to the other big health network in this area, which is Lehigh Valley Health Network. Worked as an athletic trainer in the secondary school, which was a good move for me. You can really have an impact on athletes at that level. Yeah. Um, and really could do some of the things that I wanted to do and started to develop that program at the community college to really start to prepare athletic trainers to move into accredited programs. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of another part of the evolution of education that we all need to get better at is with athletic training, moving to the master's degree level, it's going to be really important for those four-year degrees, those health science programs, those pre-athletic training programs that are going to be popping up to really start to improve the quality of education they're giving to prepare people to go into athletic training at the master's level or yeah. PT or OT. So that's going to be really important moving forward. Um, and then, you know, sort of looking at other ways to educate was doing some things in the orthopedic clinic and John Hoth from East Stroudsburg university um, sort of doing some work with St. Luke's uh-huh. um, contacted me one day and we just started talking about, the residency program and they were just sort of starting in the, in the field of athletic training and really looking at St. Luke's as the optimal place to develop a residency program. Um, So that's sort of when I made the jump about five years ago to really focus on doing that and really starting to build other educational components outside of, of just the residency at St. Luke's. So Uh that's, you know, been very rewarding with what we've been able to do here. Nine years ago, we had one athletic trainer in the network, and now, as you, as I've said, we're up to 120. Yeah. Um, so that's been, you know, fast growth. So it's keeping the quality of care that we're providing and educating those athletic trainers and mentoring and setting goals. We're doing a lot of innovative stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. And that just leads us right into, you know, our next phase of, of the questions I want to ask you is just like, you know, let's discuss some of your current uh, ventures and passions. So can you tell us a little bit about your role as the athletic training residency program director within the KD accredited program in orthopedics? 
And what exactly is a residency program? You keep talking about a residency, but I mean, I might know and, and you know, but I like to make sure that I like to make sure with the Empower You radio show that my dad can listen to the show and be like, okay, what's, what's a resident or, or um, a mother can listen to the show and she can provide guidance to her child or even to maybe a superintendent of schools, you know, but anyways, just, just break it all down for us. And even and tell us what exactly we keep saying Katie and, and that stands for C-A-A-T-E. So just talk us through the, to everything that, that you're doing in this awesome program. Right. So as any medical profession, the field of athletic training, the education continues to expand. So as I mentioned previously, part of that expansion is the movement of the athletic trainer to the master's level. Mm-hmm. So to become an athletic trainer, the last couple of programs will be coming through 2022. But after that, that point, you'll have to get a master's degree to, in order to sit for the, the certification exam. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can sort of look at that as the entry level. You're sort of a generalist at that point, right? But yeah. that's, that's the great thing about athletic training. There's so many things we need to learn, we need to be good at. I think that's what attracts a lot of us to the profession. Moving beyond that, you know, there's DAT programs now to get doctoral athletic training, but there's also residency programs developing. So right now there's 10 programs and it's really focusing on the development of a specialist. So you Mm -hmm. hear that term specialist all the time in the physician world. Yeah. Yeah. So you have an orthopedic specialist, you have a primary care specialist. Yep. So the, the thinking behind it is to really start to develop those specialists within athletic training. So mm-hmm. the Katie two years ago, three years ago now. Um, so the Katie is the commission on accreditation for athletic training education. So that's our, our accrediting board. So to become an athletic trainer, you have to go through an, a Katie accredited program, yep. um, which are those master's programs. And the Katie also is, accrediting residency programs. So it's a pretty rigorous process and they've identified eight focus areas. So at St. Luke's, our focus area that we developed our residency program in is orthopedics. Other of the other 10 programs, there's a couple that are primary care sports medicine. Um, There's a couple that are rehabilitation. So you can be an athletic, become an athletic trainer. Usually going into a residency program, we look for two to three years of experience after okay. that. And that's important, I think, because you, you need to see patients, you need to treat patients, you need to sort of learn to understand the system of healthcare and how the athletic trainer fits in that. You need to develop your skills. And then, you know, if you're looking to really specialize in something, looking towards a residency program yeah. is important. So I, I sort of see two different paths. You know, some people will go the DAT route, um, we're going to get a deeper dive into the clinical education of clinically practicing as an AT. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be more of a traditional setting. You could get some leadership components into that. Residency program is really going to d- dive deep into becoming a specialist. Mm-hmm. So usually they're a year-long program. Ours is focused on orthopedics, like I had said. So our athletic trainers are infused into orthopedics. So they're credentialed athletic trainers, so they're part of the clinical team treating patients and um, working right alongside those orthopedic physicians. And really, a lot of the focus of being a specialist is is focusing on the the core competencies. Mm -hmm. Um, So within athletic training, the Katie has 
has six core competencies they've, they've developed. In the residency world, we really want to train people like physicians are trained. Yeah. So we really adapt the ACGME um, core competencies, which is the, is the Graduate Medical Education Council that oversees all the physician residency programs. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, so like I said, our thought is to, if we want athletic trainers practicing next to physicians in orthopedics, yes. we need to think the same way. We need to train them the same way. We need to use the same terminology. Athletic training in the past has sort of done some things on their own when you know, the models are out there that you know, this is the way physicians are trained. So if we want to optimize that, why not train an athletic trainer like that? Yes. So the residency program has been around for us for five years. We achieved accreditation three years ago. Mm -hmm. And it really, every year it develops further and further. But, you know, these guys are are seeing patients. We have the surgical component into our, added into our residency. So our athletic trainers get trained to assist in surgery. So suturing, Mm -hmm. perioperative service, aseptic technique. You know, they go through the same training that a lot of the other surgical assists in our network go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, they re- really become an advocate for the patient in that environment and really can assist the, the PA as well as the physician in that area. Leadership's a big component of our program as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we put our athletic trainers through the leadership training program that all of our network leaders go through. Okay. Um, which I think is important. Part of becoming a specialist is being able to practice at the top of the scope of practice of an athletic trainer, mm-hmm. um, expand that scope to the limits of the, the state practice acts, but really to, to assist and, and, and become leaders in the field. Because in our network, that's important. We, it's, I call it our five-year conversation mm-hmm. um, with where athletic trainers need to be in the network in orthopedics. Um, and for them to, to go in and be leaders and work alongside the physician that's really proven to our network that, you know, this is a valuable model for athletic training and for orthopedics in general. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's absolutely wonderful. You, you hit the nail on the head there when you talk about, you know, when we come out of our programs as uh, freshly um, licensed and certified athletic trainers by the BOC were just kind of generalists. And then, you know, I think back to, um, you know, when I first started out, I think this would have been awesome, you know, for me two or three years out and, and having these specialties, because I think that in the past we've always, as athletic trainers, we've always tried to do everything to like, to the best of our abilities. And, now, when you see departments developing specialties and residency programs like this, now you can have a resident come in. You can hire someone that's gone through an orthopedic residency within a specific department. And now you have an orthopedic specialist, you know, as an athletic trainer, you know, it's, 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 it's such a valuable thing to have in it can be challenging to try to break that old mold of athletic trainers who just try to take ownership of everything and can't share within a department. And that was something that I was really taught by, you know, a fellow alumni, Mark Larson, you know, when I worked at Boston university is, is learning how to work as a team and 
knowing how to refer to a colleague within your department that is a specialist. You know, um, when I worked at BU, I would take care of, you know, people who needed to bridge the gap from, from therapy to strength and conditioning. You know, that was kind of like my specialty area along with some low back rehabilitation for the rowers, you know, that, that was my specialty area. And then, you know, another uh, employee or another colleague was a specialist in management of skin conditions and just general med. So it's, 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 I think it's amazing. I, I, I love that this is moving forward and that this is, you know, really taking some, some flight right now. Yeah. I, I just think it's really important for the profession to train and do it the right way. And the residency programs provide the accountability to do that. So it's a pretty comprehensive evaluation by the Katie for accreditation of the program, but it really instills the, to become a, instills those qualities you need to become a specialist. Yeah. So we have residents come through that, you know, we call it practice-based learning and improvement, mm-hmm. um, which are all those qualities of, of setting goals, doing honest self-assessment, mm-hmm. um, being a lifelong learner, but being really, you know, we, we hear evidence-based practice all the time in, in athletic training. Are we that good at it? No, but your residency training really gets you to start to be really good at it. Yeah. Um, and all those components coming out of the residency and the mentorship along with that, I think to really flourish within the residency programs and to become a specialist, it has to be that structured mentorship. Yeah. Um, you have to have good mentors because the, the residents that come out of our program, they learn, learn a lot in the year that they go through it. And we keep all of them because, you know, we're, we're training our own and we know the quality of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the year after that, they're going to learn just as much. The year after that, they're learning just as much because the habits are there that are driving their, their practice forward. Nice. So that brings us to, you know, you talk about the standards of, of, of the residency and you're actually on the committee. So if you want to, is there anything you can elaborate on a little bit in terms of tell us about your role with the KD residents? residency standards committee. Yeah. So we've, um, they were actually just released for public comment this week is the, mm-hmm. the new standards that we're looking to push through the commission and hopefully start to, to drive residencies to the next level. So the old standards were out in 2014. So it was, you know, that was the first iteration of the residency standards. So the Katie felt it was time to update that drive this, this focus on residency training forward. So we've, we worked about a year and a half on those standards. Yep. Um, a great group of collaborators on that group. So any athletic trainers listening, you know, I would visit, visit the Katie site, take a look at those, those standards and provide us feedback on, you know, what we can do better to improve them, um, what you're thinking. But a lot of, a lot of the changes that we've sort of implemented is like I had said before, to come come alongside how physicians are trained and really use some of those graduate medical education concepts mm-hmm. and theories to drive the training of the athletic trainer forward. Yeah. I think, th- I mean, this is awesome information and I just think back to, you know, just a few years back, um, like you said, and even now, because unfortunately a lot of athletic trainers are so overwhelmed in their workplace that they have a hard time keeping up with the advancements of, of their own profession. So 
I just think of the confusion with the term residency being used and, and I just want to kind of talk about a, a few areas that I think of, which I'm having to break my old school mentality when I hear the term residency. And for me coming out of graduate school, you know, the, I always, I wanted to move back to the Northeast. So I always would look at a potential of getting the Boston college residency job which was really just an underpaid full-time job where you just lived as a resident on campus. So they calls it a residency. And the other aspect that a lot of confusion is, and we kind of talked about this before the show started, but when I worked for Cirque du Soleil and we had a resident uh, therapist and there really wasn't any strong definition of what that meant. And I think they just kind of took it because we were the resident department of Cirque du Soleil in Las Vegas. We were resident shows. So they just wanted a resident therapist. And really what that was is just a short-term 18-month contract. And it was almost like, um, it's almost like a, um, an 18-month contract to introduce you. They need to change the title and call it to something professional um, introduction or something like that. I, I don't really know, you know, I'm not with the company anymore, but call it something of what it is, which is really an 18 month paid learning program of how the company works. And, and, and then after 18 months, you either get potentially offered a job or you, or you want to move on. You don't, you don't like the company and you move on to something else. So I think that helps everything you're talking about provides some, cl some clarity towards the term residency. Is there anything else? Is there anything you want to elaborate on with that or? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that term residency is, there's a lot of confusion within our profession. Yeah. And if there's, there's confusion within our profession, then how are any other medical professions going to really know, well, this person came through a residency program. Mm-hmm. And a lot of I think a lot of it I think is the movement to the master's degree level. Mm -hmm. um, so when that happens, you know, a traditional way to get your master's degree in athletic training was always, you know, similar to what you and I did. We went and got a graduate assistantship, mm -hmm. got paid by the university, got our tuition, didn't have to pay tuition. Yeah. And you know, we got that year to learn and practice. So now since at the master's level, that's where you're getting certified after that degree level, um, all those graduate assistantships go away. So, mm -hmm. you know, you look at across the nation and you type in athletic training residency um, and you'll get some of those that are basically GA positions or, yeah. or what we call internship positions that we've had in the past as well. Mm -hmm. um, and the term residency just has that, you know, it's been through that accreditation process, which is, a rigorous process and I was you know always everybody's always worried about oh the Katie's coming to look at our program in my experience it was probably one of the most collaborative things that that I've gone through yeah. and I think it's just different with the residencies and as you as you know working with with Mark Lorson on that mm -hmm. um, just opened up the door to it just being a very collaborative process and that year of our our self-study and our site visit was you know, our program probably got 10 times better than it, it was before that. Um, so yeah. it really pushed us to the next level. Mm -hmm. um, but with your residency programs, you know, you have didactics. They're not just lecturing to people. It's, 
you know, the residents are integrated. And as a program director and in those didactics, yeah, we, we push them. Um, but I learn just as much from them during those than that they learn from us because mm-hmm. it's that it's that collaborative. There's a lot of scholar scholarly activity to it. So, you know, they're reading journals, they're disseminating information. Um, and then there's the clinical side to it. So there's those three components in the structured mentorship and the self-evaluation and developing goals. You know, it, to really do that right, you gotta have the right mentors and you gotta have the right guidance um, to do that. So outside of a residency program, could you do that? Could a person do that? Probably, and they could probably find the right mentors, but I'll, I'll tell you, man, and what we can accomplish in a year and the progress we see in our residents, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. When you have the, so from my aspect, you know, and, and just comparing the, comparing the two and, and mainly in terms of just talking about having a really great detailed system and also a mentorship. Like, I, I think that's the key thing that lacks a lot is having really great mentorship these days. And when you find that program that has really great mentorship and has a system that allows you to thrive, that doesn't just beat you down, but educates you and facilitates your education and really like allows you to thrive. And for me, I, I reflect on, I, I see similarities for the business that I run right now with, you know, by no means are we like KDD accredited, but I have athletic trainers come to me that want to work and they want to build an online business. So more of the rehabilitative online, especially with the new pandemic, right? So, you know, that's what I'm doing. I, I, I take 20 years of experience and mentor them in a business and creating a business. So in how we create, or even if they want to create a brick and mortar. So we mentor them and, I, you know, they pay with us. It's a six month program. And it's available to continue on as long as people want to until they feel comfortable to continue on. Obviously, there's differences between the residency and what I'm doing. But I think that's where you see success in a model is having mentorship. That's, that's what I keep hammering home to, to, to everything is having the, the guidance and mentor to help you and facilitate you through the process and not just leaving you out there to hang. You know, I think, I think we have a, and maybe this is my own opinion, but I think in the past as athletic training profession, I think we kind of just, we could potentially have the, the, the position of just kind of hanging, putting people out there and then just letting them try to figure it out. Like you had said, yeah. but let's mentor each other through, you know, like let's help each other. Yeah. We've, um, with our outreach program at, at St. Luke's, so we've really worked on structuring that so another problem you see in in the field of athletic training is you know there's one term you're an athletic trainer okay where are you going to progress so what we've sort of built is um, multiple levels of athletic trainers Mm -hmm. and you'll see that more and more which is good because i think it's important for young professionals to see what's the path exactly and then have that mentor to help them along that path so we have athletic trainer we have lead athletic trainers we have pro, we have coordinators and we have program managers. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we've done this year is really work with our talent management department in the network. Okay. Um, to work, set up a structure where there's defined mentorship. So all 120 of our athletic trainers are setting, setting goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get some education from 
that talent management department, and then they're paired up with, you know, a lead athletic trainer or one of the coordinators to help drive that forward. Yeah. And that's, that's been really beneficial. And we've seen a lot of, of progress and, and it brings that teamwork and it brings that unity and it brings that collaboration more into mm-hmm. what we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when you build off of that positivity and building those relationships, it just attracts more of that in and it just keeps accumulating on top of one another. Nice. So I, I, I love that. Um, one thing I wanted to kind of have you kind of dial into is just talk about really quickly. It doesn't have to be too detailed, but just, you know, the difference between that, we have the athletic training residency that's happening. And then we also have a fellowship that's going to, it kind of hasn't taken full steam right now. Um, I think you had mentioned before, but talk us through like the, the differences between the two and, and, and just briefly about the fellowship. Right. So if you, you look at a, a residency program, that's, you know, you're, you're specializing, mm-hmm. um, a fellowship would kind of be the next step to it. So, yeah. so it would be a sub-specialization. So if you look at, you know, sort of our orthopedic athletic training residency, so you come through our orthopedic residency. So in the future, we're looking at building maybe a foot and ankle fellowship or mm-hmm. a wrist and hand fellowship. So a deeper dive into a more specific part. So you know, similar to how physicians are trained. So, you know, you have physicians that go into family practice as a residency, mm-hmm. and then they go on to primary care sports medicine for their fellowship. Yeah. Um, some go on for multiple fellowships. So with the new standards, we've really built that into that as well. So we're not only focused on developing residency programs, but um, the avenue is open for the development of fellowship programs. So the Katie, like I had said, has identified the eight specialty areas. Right now, there's no defined fellowship areas. We're sort of, we're sort of waiting to see what kind of rises to the top. Um, the only example probably out there of a fellowship program in athletic training would be the, the Boston University Spine and Neurotrauma mm-hmm. um, Fellowship. So, you, you know, a path to that someday may be your, you go to a primary care sports medicine residency program. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you take that next step to the spine and neurotrauma fellowship um, and take an even deeper dive and become even more specialized. Nice. That's awesome. All right, cool. That's a great explanation. And, and for me, and I like what this is all mapping out and you can, you can really see, I like how you keep using the example of what physicians do. And, you know, I, I love the fact that this is all being mapped out as a medical model. It's like, and in, in following other medical, true medical paths. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really, really important. And I love that the Katie is really taking that as a huge stepping stone and, and just foundation to developing these programs. So, yeah. And we, um, as I mentioned before the show, we're looking, we actually just got approval for a prevention and wellness residency program, which would be the first, first of, the, of its kind. Mm-hmm. Um, so that a program like that in athletic training would, you know, be focused on the industrial setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're learning how to prevent injuries and you're doing more advanced things. Uh, there's a lot of athletic trainers working in the industrial setting, mm-hmm. but there's a whole nother level we can get to, um, practicing in that environment in athletic training. So we were lucky enough to have an athletic trainer, Kyra Dodson come to us who has some great experience in you know, is that next level thinker in that, that setting 
So she actually works at the Sam Adams plant in, in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and mm-hmm. has done some outstanding things with them with, you know, evaluating risk of any job that's happening in the factories. So that residency will be focused a lot in the industrial setting, but it'll also move into our community health partners division, or as well as our um, sports performance division. Mm-hmm. Um, and really teach an athletic trainer how to prevent injury and how to yeah. really help people be well. And you know, for the industrial athletic trainer, it will really teach athletic trainers how to do it right. Yeah, exactly. You know that that reminds me of. When I worked with Cirque du Soleil, I was the chair of the injury risk reduction group, and that's what we did. We looked, we uh, so for us with the company model that we had working with artists, we wanted to develop a profiling system when that we would do once a year, and you essentially are taking some measurements of what we thought were essential movements for the artists. So it could have, and you just look at, I mean, really any company could do this and you just look at what are, what is essential to the person, to the, what is essential to the job that they have to perform. So like for, for us, we measured, we had a handheld dynamometer and we measured internal and external rotation of the shoulder. Um, like the in, uh, handheld dynamometer for those guys that are out there is, you know, to measure muscle strength just in, in your hand and it puts out the, the peak forces. And then we, we had, we had a, a specific set of upper body tests that we did. We had a specific set of uh, lower body profiles that we used. And then we had a core profile that we used and we combined all the two and it just helped us look for risk factors. So, you know, when we finished it, um, and, and the challenging part at Cirque du Soleil, and it could be even in, in the industrial setting, is there just really isn't a whole lot of literature out there to like say, okay, what is a risk factor for this particular population? And I think that it's a really great opportunity for athletic trainers to kind of get into that risk evaluation population and really start developing some of the literature that could be the, the, the foundation for potentially measuring what what, what risk there is. So, and, and then what we did is we took those risk measures and, and we performed exercises to mitigate that risk, to help them to perform better. And a lot of times what happened was, is we would do the profile, we would have them perform the exercises and then they could, and then when they got on stage, they're like, wow, my job was actually so much easier tonight. Or Oh my gosh, when I look back to my paycheck from last year to this year, I was actually out of less shows because of this nagging shoulder that I always used to have and actually made $15,000 more this year because I was in more shows, you know, it's like, and so, um, it was a win-win situation as, you know, we had less of a strain, but it's just, um, just highlighting, you know, that industrial setting, I think that's emerging even more and more for athletic trainers. And I think what you just hit the, the prevention or injury risk reduction group, that's really a subset and in, in wellness, like teaching people how to uh, sleep and how to eat and how to just take care of themselves. Cause I think we're kind of losing that a little bit in society these days. So it's just a huge opportunity for, for people. So, yeah. And I, I think you find it in our other settings as well. You know, you see it in, the athletic trainers working with the military. Absolutely. Um, 
you see it in athletic trainers working with law enforcement and some of these other areas that you know yeah. if you can prevent that's what that's what you know Cirque du Soleil wants that's what Sam Adams wants if mm -hmm. they can those are expensive injuries if, yeah. if they, and they're preventable oh yeah I can just I remember um I think it was like at Cirque du Soleil when someone filled out the workers comp paperwork and then it went over to workers comp I think it was an immediately a twelve twenty thousand dollar case that they were spending, I think it was yeah. something around there, twenty to thirty thousand dollars that was immediately being spent just on the process of turning it into a workers' comp injury and 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 the management. So just all of the risk you can mitigate and 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 what what else that money could be put into for the employees and just for everyone. So that's awesome. Kind of getting off. Sorry, kind of rolling potentially off track here, but that happens sometimes. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's look at what would you say is the typical route? I think you mentioned this a little bit before, but what is the typical route an athletic trainer would choose to enter a residency or, or fellowship? Is this something that they're going to do right after graduate school um, for, or right after graduating from a master's program um, these days? So just hit on that a little bit. I think you mentioned it a little bit before, but just so t typically, you know, mo most programs are going to look for two to three years of experience. Okay. Um, that's not saying coming out of a master's degree, you don't have a chance to get into a residency. So there are some very specific master's programs that get you that experience. Mm -hmm. um, so one of our residents this year kind of came through that path. Typically, our residents, I think on average, we have five years of experience. Mm-hmm. But this particular resident came through a, a master's level program. She actually got her bachelor's level or bachelor's degree in an accredited program. So she was certified, mm -hmm. went on to her master's and got a really specific experience in ortho, the orthopedic clinic. So she has come into our program, knocked it out of the park, worked with our medical director and has just killed it this year. It's not to say you can't come out of a master's degree and go into a residency, but you know, typically we like to see people that have seen patients. Yeah. have functioned within the system for a while, okay. have worked on that development of relationships. There's a level of maturity to really mm -hmm. dive into the residency that, that you need. And we've actually created a pre-residency program at St. Luke's. Oh, okay. So um, that is a year-long program um, that we have our outreach athletic trainers that are interested at coming into our residency program. Mm -hmm. uh, so they'll have a year where they get, they'll get some exposure to the core competencies and things like milestones and some of the other graduate medical things that are built into our program. They'll get some experience in the clinics and then really start to ramp up and be ready to dive in that residency year. Okay. Um, so our vision in the future is, you know, sort of to have a multi-year approach to it. So we're looking, mm -hmm. we, we have these two residency programs now. Really, we're looking, I call it my 20-year plan is, you know, to at least have five of those specialty areas, yeah. um, residency programs, and then develop fellowships off of that. Okay. Um, but that pre-residency program would kind of give you a taste of each residency program uh -huh. um, and see which one you want to dive into. Yeah. And sort of set you up for success, because I think that's important to be ready and have the right mindset, the right maturity level. Cause it is a long year and these get, the residents do long hours. Yeah. You know, they do 40 hours in the clinic to, on top of that. We're doing at least five hours didactically. Mm -hmm. um, 
early mornings and then, you know, scholarship. So they're, you know, reading articles, doing some other things, working on projects, presentations, you know, that's typically 10 to 15 hours a week. So, you know, at a minimum 50, 55 hours they're putting into this residency program. But yeah, so we've seen that works. That's, that's how physicians train and it works to get the physicians ready. Yeah. Um, but having the right mindset to go into that is, is important. Absolutely. And then once they finish, are there, so is there any um, specific credentials you should look for that someone that had, that's finished a, uh, a residency? Right now there isn't. We, so we, we've talked, there's been some conversations that if you complete a, a Katie accredited program, there will be sort of a list based um, that you'll be able to look at that this person has completed an accredited residency. Oh, okay. So that's similar to what um, PTs do. So PT okay. finishes a, a residency program. Mm -hmm. So then their name kind of goes on the database so you can confirm that. In the future, you know, we'll start to look at, at specialty certifications. So the BOC is, is working on developing specialty certification, um, mm -hmm. which is you know, typically linked to a residency program. So you look at a physician, they complete their, their primary care sports medicine fellowship. They are immediately ready to sit for that, that board exam. Yeah. Um, so eventually, you know, those specialty exams will be linked to residencies, but as they grow, there's going to be alternative pathways to be able to sit for those exams. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this leads me into another question. Would you say completing this program will affect an athletic trainer's salary? So the reason I ask this, and this is not my belief, but I, I know that is it out that this is out there. I know I have some former classmates at some major universities that work with football programs, and they would say that this is a waste of time. This type of thing will not help you get a better salary. So talk me through this. What, what's your feeling on this whole mentality? Yeah, yeah. There's always the salary question, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think just pointing straight to the salary and a lot of that data is starting to come out, especially with the ATPPS, the athletic trainer and physician practice society yep. is collecting a lot of that data. And the last numbers I saw was there's coming through a residency program on average, you know, the salaries jumped eight to $9,000 mm -hmm. um, having that distinction within our network. So we've hired every, every athletic trainer that has come through our residency program except for one who ended up going off to medical school. But we typically have, have built in anywhere from a 10 to 12% raise afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, just because our network has really started to value and seeing the efficiency it brings to the clinics, um, yep. able to see more patients, you're able to improve physician satisfaction, patient satisfaction. Um, you're able to utilize your clinical team in a different way to really optimize care for the patients. Um, and really add a different level to the, to the care. Yeah. Um, so they, they really supported that. Our program does, we pay, pay pretty well our residents. Mm -hmm. um, so we look at them, if a resident's coming into our program, they have three years of athletic training experience. We're gonna pay them exactly how we would pay anybody else mm -hmm. that has that experience. And that can be difficult for, for systems to understand. So you look at you know, a orthopedic resident physician, Mm -hmm. So that that salary set, so they make you know somewhere around seventy thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. But the upside of that is when they come out, they're making you know 
pretty pretty serious money. Yeah. Um, you can't look at athletic training like that. So you can't devalue paying a resident because they're not going to make that six-figure salary coming out of the residency. Yeah. So you need to pay them what they're worth. So we've been able to get that across to our network and hopefully other programs can can sort of mold that. Things have gotten better, but there's a little bit to go with the residency salaries. So outside of salaries, I think it's just, it comes back to driving the profession forward. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. If you're not trained right and you're in these environments, it, it's going to catch up with you. It's going to catch up with the profession. Um, yeah. There's plenty of examples of that. Exactly. Yeah. So moving on and just kind of talking through another topic, but what are some of the biggest challenges you're facing with this area and how are you overcoming them? I think a lot of it is just, as we talked about before, is just people getting to understand the model. I think the strategic alliance which is the alliance in athletic training now between the research arm, the NATA, the mm -hmm. BOC, and Katie. You know, there's that consensus that specialty training is an important part of driving the profession forward. Yeah. Um, but I still think the education of students coming through and people in the profession, it's not there yet. So I continue to try to get in front of as many people as possible to, you know, explain that. I still have people in our system that, you know, we're still trying to educate, but that's been the constant battle for athletic trainers, right? Is, mm -hmm. you know, we're constantly educating and that's part of, part of the mission we take on when we come, we become athletic trainers. So yeah. that kind of in the residency world is where we're at now is, you know, showing people what we're doing, explaining it, really showing them it's worthwhile mm -hmm. and really showing them that, that the healthcare systems are really understanding where we fit as a profession and can really help them. So as we kind of wind things down here, I wanted to just ask, how can people get in touch with you about learning more about your residency that you offer or just in general about the possibility of participating in a residency someplace else? The easiest way to get more information is to go on our website, St. Luke's, St. Luke's University Health Network, and just search for the athletic training residency program. Okay. Um, it's interesting in, in the, the residency world because we call ourselves St. Luke's East. Um, there's a St. Luke's in Boise. Idaho that has has a residency program too. We call them St. Luke's West. So ah. Forrest Pecha is their uh, program director out there who's kind of started all of this residency business in athletic training when he was down at Emory and um, he had some time at Stedman. So, you know, mm -hmm. those programs are still around. So, you know, St. Luke's East, St. Luke's West. Emory has a, has a great program down in Atlanta. Um, USC has a program. And like I said, there's, there's 10 programs currently and there's more seeking accreditation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we sort of think we're at a tipping point where, you know, people are understanding where this needs to go and people are really buying into it. And I think the new standards are really going to show people the roadmap on how to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll start to see what we saw in PT and really the number of programs start to explode, which is what we need um, in a profession. But my contact information is, is, is on our website and I'd be happy to talk to anybody um, in the residency world in general. That's what's great about it. us program directors. We're constantly talking, constantly collaborating. So it's really unique to be a part of that uh, environment. And what I can do is I'll put a link to the, the, the link that you had sent me in an email. I'll, I'll put that link to your bio and to your department 
And I'm sure there's contact information on that, on that page as well. So they can, they can read about you and your other colleagues and, and what you guys are doing um, at St. Luke's East. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, Jim, it's been great to have you here today. I cannot thank you enough. Your knowledge and passion for all things athletic training, advancement of the profession, and the development of the Katie Residency Standards Committee is seriously unprecedented. Thank you and all of our listeners for empowering us through education. Well, thanks for having me, Eric. And it was great talking through a lot of those topics with you. And hopefully everybody out there has a little bit better understanding on where we're coming from with residency training and you know, where the field's going and you know, how to get involved and, and help us drive the profession forward. And before we close out, I just want to review the Katy approved residency specialty areas. Those areas are prevention and wellness, urgent and emergent care, primary care, orthopedics, rehabilitation, behavioral health, pediatrics, and performance enhancement. I hope you all have enjoyed this episode with James Reedy, a leader and visionary in the field of athletic training. He's really helping to push the boundaries and progress the profession of athletic training through residency programs. I hope you guys have a great weekend and I can't wait to come back and see you again on Monday with another episode of Mindset Monday. You have been listening to the Empower You Radio Show with Eric Gann, where we empower you through education. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. You can find us at EmpowerYouOnlineCoaching.com and also follow us on Facebook at EmpowerYouOnlineCoaching. Finally, go follow our Instagram account at EmpowerYou underscore radio show for all of the latest updates on fresh new episodes.